This is the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome, we're glad you're here. This week's message comes from our service on Sunday, November 26th, 2023. Our member Karen Impala talks about Thanksgiving and Thanks Receiving. My title was Thanksgiving and Thanks Receiving, and I'm going to talk a little later about the holiday of Thanksgiving, but I wanted to start with Thanks Receiving, because when I I thought about having to give the message today, I thought about, well, basically what it is you do after someone thanks you. Uh, that's the germ of the, the idea I started with. When someone thanks you, what do you say? And what does that mean? Um, in English, the most common response to thank you is you're welcome. And that's a little strange because welcome implies that they've just arrived and you're telling them, you know, that it in a new, at your house or in a new town or a new country and you're, you're telling them they belong there, even though it's new to them. But I guess what you're really saying when you say you're welcome as a response to thank you is that you are, you, you have a right to this thing I have given you or this thing I have done to you, done, done for you. It is now yours. And. I, being a, a language nerd, I went. I found went online. I found a lot of uh, lists of what is the proper response to thank you in a lot of different languages, and then I tried to figure out with Google Translate what they literally mean. Of course, that's not a, a, a perfect process, but I'll tell you what I came up with. You can say "You're welcome," basically in Irish, in peninsular Portuguese, but not in Brazilian Portuguese, and in Bulgarian, the response to thank you actually has the word welcome in it. Those are the only ones that I found. Some of the other things that you say in different languages when someone says thank you, uh, in German, you can say, and and you're going to have to forgive my pronunciations on some of these, gern geschehen, which is more, more or less, it happens gladly, or I'm glad to do it. Um, In Danish, you, there are a couple different ones you can say, self-talk, which means self-thank, which is sort of like saying, no, thank you. Um, or you can say, uh, that for so lit, it was so little. And that's a very common theme in a lot of responses to thank you, is to minimize whatever it is that that you're being thanked for. You say, it was nothing. Don't mention it. Uh, in French, you say, de rien. In Spanish, you say, uh, de nada. In, in Finnish, you say apakesta, which literally means uh, there is nothing to endure, like it wasn't a hardship to do it. And in English, also, you could say no problem. Um, in uh, in Samoan, you say what, what apparently translates either as I don't mind or there's no harm. In Turkish, you say it is nothing. In Sanskrit, you say let's do that. I don't know. In Somali, and I like this one, you say, you are worthy. In other words, you are worthy of whatever I have given you. (laughs) 
I like that one a lot. And, you know, to some, in, in, in Estonian, you say, don't mention it, which we also do in English. Um, in Romanian, you say, with pleasure. I like that one, too. Um, to some extent, these are just, you know, little polite phrases, and we don't really take their meaning literally. But I think it's a, it's an interesting kind of thought exercise to do that. Um, there's also a little, in, in certain languages, there's a little thing, you basically say, please, when someone says thank you, you know, the same, the same word that someone would ask you, please, can you give me this? And then you give, you give it to them, and they say, thank you. And then you say, please, again, you do that in, in German, and in uh, Swedish, and in Italian, and in Farsi, the, the response to thank you is basically to say, please, again. So just, just politeness. But Anyway, I just wanted to put that put put that idea out there as to think of what you are when someone thanks you, you know, do you automatically tell yourself, "Well, I didn't really do anything. Did they they don't really need to thank me for that?" Or do you acknowledge that yes, you have given them something and they are worthy of it and 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 it was an important thing you did. It's just part of what makes us human and that's why I like that song so much. We from you I receive. We used to sing that when we passed the plates each week. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share, and from this we live. It's just what life is all about. So that's my my little spiel about thanks receiving. Then we go on to Thanksgiving, and more specifically, uh, the holiday of Thanksgiving. Around this time of year, it's it's often happens with a group of people. Sometimes when we all sit down to Thanksgiving dinner, uh, we go around and we say what we are thankful for. And that's on a more general level. People often say, I'm thankful for my friends, my home, my jobs. I, I My thing when we did that exercise in lieu of the children's story was I'm thankful for modern medicine because there are so many things I would not have in life without it. Um, but in a way, when you're doing that, you're not thanking specific people for specific acts. You're thanking the system and uh, thanking sort of the universe at large for what your place is in it. And that brings up the issue of privilege. And I'm sure this is something a lot of us have thought about. How did we end up being in our current place in the system? What was what was the process that brought us here? And was it a fair process? In a lot of cases, it wasn't. We all know that history is just riddled with people taking advantage of one another. And a lot of us are here because of other people who were taken advantage of in the past. And that's particularly relevant to Thanksgiving and sort of the myth of the first Thanksgiving, because it was um, obviously the people who already lived on this continent who were taken advantage of and have let those of us who don't have native ancestry be here. Um, before I go on, I just wanted to address, uh, and this is something probably everybody knows, that privilege is not a measure on a single scale. We all have different attributes, and some of those attributes make us part of a privileged class, and others may put us at a disadvantage. Um, we've all heard the person who says, 
there's no such thing as white privilege because I'm white and I live below the poverty level. Well, the person who says that isn't recognizing that there are different kinds of privilege and they may have privilege in one category, but not in another. There's a battle currently going on in our school systems about how to teach American history. And I'm sure you've read or heard about this in the news. Um, and the people on one side of this battle want to stay as far away as possible from the question of privilege and not examine how we got here. Just teach that the way things are now is the way that they are supposed to be. Because to do anything else supposedly will make the people who are in a privileged category feel bad. They want to erase any stories of injustice in our past and that basically means erasing the stories of marginalized people. It's kind of, it's really appalling to me to read that, you know, for instance, in the Southwest, where schools have often had like, uh, you know, Latino studies in the curriculum, they want people, certain people want to take that out because you can't teach that history without teaching the history of how that group was taken advantage of. And this does especially come up in relation to Thanksgiving. Um, the, the popular story about the first American Thanksgiving about in Massachusetts and the Pilgrims and Squanto the Indian is a story about cooperation, but that's not the whole story. Um, and I'm gonna share a few readings from the UUA website that touch on this. And I'd like to thank Dennis Harbaugh for bringing my attention to these. He sent me an email saying, I know you're doing this service and these are things that, that you might uh, want to use. So I did, so thank you, Dennis. Um, this is a, an excerpt from uh, a Thanksgiving reflection by Isabel Call and it's her words. I want to tell you about my bicycle. The frame is a sparkly kind of blue and it has pink handlebar tape. And guess what color the wheels are? They're lime green. I love my bicycle. Now suppose this was your bicycle. And suppose one day you biked to school and totally forgot to lock your bike when you got there. And then when it was time to leave, you went outside to get your bike and no bike, it was stolen. Okay, so you had to get a ride home and figure out how to get to school from now on. Then in art class the next week, Someone brings in a sculpture of a turkey that they've made. It has a sparkly blue body made of pieces of metal, a big round tail with a lime green circle in it, pink feet curling underneath it, and a bicycle seat for a head. In fact, the whole thing is made from a bicycle and you realize it's your bicycle, your former stolen cut up into pieces bicycle. But before you can say anything, your classmates are cheering and the principal decides to make the sculpture the new school mascot. And she institutes a new school holiday called Turkey Creativity Day. And every year from now on, everybody gets to spend a whole day making art. Now, nothing against creativity, but this is kind of a nightmare. <laughs> and that's there's more to that essay, but that's all I'm going to read from it. Um, I think you can all figure out what the what the metaphor is there. <laughs> um, 
and then this this is another excerpt from uh, a, an essay called uh, it's from a longer essay called Stolen Lands, Stolen Children by Reverend Mike Johnson. In 1617, a few years before English settlers landed, an epidemic began to spread through the area that became southern New England. It likely came from British fishermen who had been fishing off the coast for decades. By 1620, 90 to 96% of the population had died. It decimated the tribes and left many of their villages empty. One of those villages was Patuxet. When the English settlers arrived in Plymouth Harbor, they found a cleared village with fields recently planted in corn. This was a big part of the reason they chose it for their settlement. All of the village's people had died from the epidemic, except for Tisquantum, whom we know as Squanto. We've never really heard the whole story about Squanto. We hear he taught the settlers how to plant corn and fish and hunt the local area. But how was it he spoke English? Here's the story as told by James W. Lowen. As a boy, along with four Penobscots, he was probably stolen by a British captain in about 1605 and taken to England. There, he probably spent nine years, two in the employ of a Plymouth merchant who later helped him arrange a pass passage back to Massachusetts. He was to enjoy home life for less than a year. In 1614, a British slave raider seized him and two dozen fellow Indians and sold them into slavery in Malaga, Spain. Squanto escaped from slavery, made his way back to England, and in 1619 talked a ship captain into taking him along on a, as a guide on his next trip to Cape Cod. So he's twice been taken away from his native home and managed to find a way back across the Atlantic Ocean, which was no mean feat in those days. Squanto walked to his home village only to make the horrifying discovery that he was the sole member of his village still alive. All of the others had perished in the epidemic two years before. Perhaps this was why Tisquantum was willing to help the Plymouth colony, which had settled in his people's village, or perhaps he was there to keep an eye on them. The settlers, too, lost half their people during the first hard winter. There were only 53 settlers who survived until the harvest festival that was later declared to be the first Thanksgiving. It was a brief moment of tentative peace, one generation later, the English settlers and the Wampanoag were at war. For many Native people in our time, the day called Thanksgiving has become a day of mourning for the hundreds of years of losses suffered by their people. That's the end of the reading. And I just wanted to close by saying it's important to be aware, you know, of what, what, what you are thankful for often has meant someone else's suffering. and what we can do about that besides just feeling guilty is to try to pay it back to try to do what we can to make the world a better place and i think that's a lot of what uuism tries to do and something that's reflected in our in our principles
This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors from anywhere to virtually attend our services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.